Now, the greatest story never told with Miles and Thrill. Oh, well, hola and hello. Welcome to the Greatest Story Never Told podcast, episode number 24. When we started this, Steve, did you ever think we'd make it through 24 episodes? I couldn't believe we got through the first one. Yeah, uh, and uh, in all truth be told, as we come in here and we try to convey uh, some of the stories we haven't been able to tell on the air, it's uh, oftentimes a bit difficult as far as the ability to not be too self-incriminating on a lot of these stories and try to come up with the ones where the people that are involved in these stories, we do not throw under the bus, we do not make them seem like bad people, everybody has a bad day. Well, everybody's bad. I mean, people do what they do, but we realize as we went through some stories, I'm like... Timeline's not adding up. Maybe we should wait a little bit. And honestly, as long as we've been doing this, there are times where I forget a lot of stuff as far as what we've done. Sure. And uh, this past week on Sit and Spin, Ryan Castle reminded us of the time that we bet him $500 that he could not get Weird Al Yankovic on an interview with us, and he did it the next day. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure what happened to that $500. I don't think Ryan ever got it. No, he didn't. But what I can tell you is it's like moments like that where you remember – uh, some of the people that you've interviewed along the way. And uh, Ted brings up 30 for 30 on ESPN all the time. Yeah. 30 for 30 basically did this thing. And I'm not sure if it was just about the MMA or whatever, but it was about uh, uh, Tito Ortiz uh, taking on, oh, God, uh, not Randy Couture, but what was he? Chuck Liddell. Okay. Chuck Liddell. That was, that was the big fights back in the day. They did this whole half-hour thing on it. And I thought to myself – Oh, yeah, we had Tito in studio. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we've interviewed Chuck Liddell. Did we? Yeah. When the hell did we interview Chuck Liddell? I we interviewed Tito. him on the phone before he was going to fight Tito Ortiz. I remember Tito Ortiz because Tito Ortiz also, what, punched Ted in the shoulder? Yes, he did. Yeah, Ted's like, it, I want to see what it feels it's, like. It's, it's hard as he could. And also at the time, Tito was going through a very uh, tumultuous relationship at home. I, I cannot remember. I don't know if it's Jenna, Jenna Jameson. That's I, who I'm thinking. I can't remember who he was married to, but he was going through a bunch of crap like that. And and and, and oddly, that's that's kind of how I remember stories. When um, I interviewed Richard Lewis uh, a number of years ago, I was going through a divorce. He was going through some crap at home, too. Mm-hmm. And you kind of connect on that level. And sometimes sure. that stuff works. And then other times, people come in, and they are just... The, the polite way to they put it is suck. they're having a bad day, you know, or they're just uh, not good people. Some people are having a bad day, and I would say nine times out of ten, you know, it's our job to understand that. So there's people we've talked to more than once, and there have been times they have a bad day, but you recognize it's a bad day, don't take it personally. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while you get someone and you go, this person is actually a turd, and I'm kind of pissed that we're stuck talking yeah, to this sure. clown, right? And then later on down the line, you realize, like, some of these people are just not good people, but you had a good time with them. So it's kind of like this weird thing. Lots of them, yes. Like uh, Louis C.K. Louis C.K. at one point in time was doing stand-up. He was just kind of getting started. He'd been doing stand-up, but now from just being a writer and everything else, he was eventually just going to branch out on his own, see what was out there. And at that time, uh, there was a show on HBO called The Chris Rock Show. Yeah. And he was the chief writer of that show. Mm -hmm. So he came in, and we thought we were going to have him for 15 minutes. He was staying uh, for the weekend at the Improv, doing the Baltimore Improv. We brought him in studio, and Louis C.K. sat there and talked to us for an hour and a half about just anything. Anything. It was a great conversation. He was a great guy. Great, great conversationalist. The perfect interview. Now, when he gets out of there, turns out he's not a good guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like a lot of people, you know, you, you don't, you know, when you meet someone, you meet them at face value. And, and the weird part about this job is 
as long as we've been doing it, man, would celebrities be mad? The typical questions, which are, you know, that, that, that those are reasonable questions. But the truth of the matter is this. We meet someone for about 20 minutes of their life. We get this small snapshot of what they're doing at that point in time, uh, where they are in their life. We interviewed Rose McGowan, okay? And at the time, we did not realize what she was going through making this film with Rodriguez and Harvey Weinstein and all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes, sure. which you now see now. She was furious at the time because there was a lot of bad stuff going on. But now, she's not telling us what it is. So all we, don't, we get is, we don't know this. This is a mean woman, right? We know what we know right. now. But at the time we're talking to her, for obvious reasons, she's not outing everyone, but... She's just not in a good place. And looking back, it's like I feel bad for thinking. And we didn't really speak. Robert Rodriguez ever, is that the guy's name? The guy who did uh, Grindhouse and all that stuff. I don't remember. We just say Rodriguez, but I believe. Man. But I believe, I believe they were together at the time. I yeah, believe when we, like we called that they were living uh, together in the same house, whatever. And they just did a Grindhouse feature with Quentin Tarantino, yeah, yeah. which is a Harvey Weinstein stuff. All that, all that, all that crap was going on. Um, but but th- there are some interviews where you just remember them. We were at Paint in the Grass one year, and Three Days Grace, they were close to being the headliner on one of two or three days and, and doing their thing, and uh, we wanted to go backstage and interview them. We have a cut sheet before we get to the Paint in the Grass concert. Here are the bands you'll be interviewing. Last year, we interview, interviewed Bones UK, mm-hmm. two wonderful girls. They're f- they're awesome. Ew. Yeah, sorry. I mean, they're, they're cool to hang they are. out we with. They We've met them before. They are just yeah, cool. There, there's certain people that you know you want to interview when they come around. Uh, Gavin Rossdale, really nice guy. Incredible skin. But did not want to be there. And that's nothing about him, all right? So, so understand, we had a horrible interview with Gavin Rossdale from Bush, not because he's a bad guy, but the way this particular day worked out for him, he's running behind schedule. He's under a lot of stress, but when we sat down to talk to him, this dude kept it together, and you could not meet a more suave gentleman, but you knew, like, yeah. man, as soon as this is done, I got I got to get my ass together. But he would never say that, so you go, like, you know what? He's having a bad day, but you know this guy, as Gwen Stefani might disagree, but generally speaking, he's just a good quality he was guy. He's a good guy. And like Miles said, incredible freaking skin. Listen, but then we don't care about skin, but when you talk to Gavin Rosdale, like when the interview was over, him, like, what kind of moisturizer do you All of use? us were like, look, man, I don't sound like less of a man, but did you see his skin? What is your routine? And Ted's like, he glows. I mean, yeah, he does. Right. He does. But, the, you know, then there's Three Days Grace where we, we go back there. We don't know that the lead singer and the rest of the band are going through hell. We have no idea, but we do know this guy is complete douche and he's not in a good place. And he's, no, he was an ass, And he's man. giving he us was. hell. So I'm, I'm trying. Steve's trying. All right. But eventually Steve gives up about 30 seconds in. So Steve's like, the hell with you. If you're not going to answer any questions and you don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. I don't now, need to help to your ass out. To be fair, I did not know that the interview was not over. Because in my mind, when you say an interview, the idea is someone asks questions, someone else answers. So if one person is asking questions and the other people or person does not answer, then you're not doing an interview. I'm like, so I'm too old and this is my profession. I'm, I'm not waiting for you to figure it out. So I was just like, all right, well, he doesn't want to talk. I get up, I roll out. I'm like, yeah, few man. I'm out of mm-hmm. here. Right? You can kiss my ass. So that following Monday, uh, our boss is like, did you walk out of, and I understand this, because he doesn't see us. He, he doesn't says, He doesn't understand what was going on. Did you walk out of a three days grace interview? And I kind of chuckled, and I said, well, I guess I did if you're asking, but to be honest with you, I thought the interview was over, but again, the guy is definitely a douchebag, mm-hmm. whatever. But the way the way it plays is the management for three days grace, they just, the interview is abruptly ended, you know, I'm the guy behind it. And look, 
I can live with it. I don't care if you're mad at me or not. I can live with that kind of stuff. And the guy was a douche. Well, but I still felt bad because I didn't want our boss to have to deal with management saying, man, and, and honestly, like, that's your connection to caring. As far as the guy goes, didn't like him, don't like him now, but the band was cool, but they weren't saying much. About three months later, boss calls me back into his office and he goes, hey, remember that three days grace interview? I said, yeah, man, look, again, I'm sorry. He's like, no, no, no. You were right. The band fired his ass. Just for being a douche. I mean, that's yeah, the, they did. Yeah, I was like, I tried to and, tell and, you. And we've had we've had people in the studio that were not 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 fun. Aaron Lewis from Stained is horrible. My you know, problem with Aaron Lewis was this though. He and this before weed was legal, but he like us always been a weed smoker. All right, and this is he's championed it and all this stuff. So we had gotten word, hey, when he gets to Seattle, he was wondering if you guys could get him a bag of weed. We're like, no problem. I mean, honestly, God, this is the truth. So. We got a bag of weed, and we got good stuff because you want to impress him. You know what I mean? And so we had it off to the side. And before the interview, as you you kind of break each other down to get a feel for each other, right? So when the mics are on, you can have a better conversation. Weed, 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 weed. And this is all of us. Weed, mm-hmm. weed, 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 weed. We get on the air, trying to loosen them up. We bring up weed. I believe his quote was, but you guys must have a problem. He basically played like he's never smoke weed in his life, and then he just kind of sucked. Like, I don't hate the guy, but this was his moment. He couldn't deny it. You know, we, the interview's still on tape. weirdly confrontation at that point. It did, well, but, we, but we, you know what we did? We didn't give him his weed, and no, when he left, we, we smoked, smoked the smoked. living... <laughs> we smoked it. <laughs> we smoked the hell out of it. Yeah, and and, and there have been times where, uh, where where the interview is our fault to, to some extent. Sure, absolutely. We had, uh, we, we've interviewed Slash a couple times from Guns N' Roses. Now, wait, we didn't... We didn't ruin the interview. I didn't say we ruined the interview. What we discovered is that Slash is a very patient and kind of funny guy. Yeah, he... We, he, we did well, an interview we, out of studio later. Before yeah. we get to the first, just know we were going to go to the club where he is playing, all right? And we had talked to him earlier in the day, and the truth is we got along. He's he's very, an exceptionally, very nice guy. exceptionally cool guy. So we see him again. He's kind of happy to see us. Because if you have to do another interview, at least it's dudes I had fun with. But what he didn't realize was between the time he left and the time we see him later at the club, Miles and I have been drinking. No, these are two different events. Two different all events. All freaking day. No, two are different, you two, sure? Yeah, two different events. Look, long we, story we short. Interviewed, we interviewed him one time in the yeah. studio. He was cutting up sweet and low lines, right? Absolutely. Okay, and, and, that, and that was that was that was a fine interview. This was after that initial interview. But the interview before that went like this. He just came out with a book. All right, so he was going to do a book signing and then do oh, an yeah. acoustic performance down at Showbox Soto and do that thing. So we need to show up there by, let's say, 6.30, all right? We get off the air at 6. We get down there by 6.30. It's after work, man. We're done doing our crap. Like, we're supposed to interview him at 7. Sure. 7.15 goes by. 7.30 goes by. Whatever happens. It's Now it's two hours. We're at a bar. We just got off work. We're hammered. We are hammered. So keep in mind, our perspective hammered. is... We don't mind waiting because they got a bar. You know, I mean, like, it's yeah. not like we have nothing hey, to do. Cool, no take your time, bro. Dumb, whatever he wants to do, we're good. And then, and then by the time we get on there, and it's a video interview that you can check out. Probably, we're like, and you mother, you know, like, because we're just, you know, being ourselves. All I remember is saying this sober as hell, and I remember the the smile on his face because we're like, and another thing, you're like a guitar god. How do you play guitar with those fat sausage fingers? And I remember he looks down at his hand because he never thought about it. And oh, I man. never thought about it. But in the time we're talking to him, I realize, as people call it, like fat sausage fingers, which means bad for bass, bad for guitar, bad for piano, whatever. But it, because he is a very good guitar player, we're looking at his fingers. Then Miles piles on. And I remember he's kind of chuckling. And he's like, 
Fellas, I never thought of it. Like, now I'm self-conscious. Like, right, exactly. I don't know. Right. I don't know how I play guitar because you're right. My fingers are fat and stubby. But I think I think, I think, I think we'll finish this, uh, this episode of The Greatest story, uh, story Never Told with... Uh, oh, oh, real quick, before we get to that, because we forget again, as always, as far as sponsoring this program, okay, we know that the, uh, the podcast is not sponsored. Mm-hmm. Even if they play a commercial before this, act like you didn't hear it. <laughs> what we're trying to do is is we're trying to get people to give money to the Fisher House That's locally, it. and you can be an official, unofficial sponsor of the podcast. An official. So get yeah. mine. It's unofficial, but you are officially and unofficial. And here, here are a couple of uh, the emails we've gotten since the last time we talked. Ola Jensa, I've been stationed on beautiful Whidbey Island for the past 13 years. I'm currently stuck on deployment with no real answers as to when I get to go home due to the virus. Listening to you guys every day truly makes me feel better and close to home. Thank you for all you do. I have nothing to promote. Just want to help you support this worthy cause. Uh, donation receipt attached very respectfully. That from Jeremy Saunders. And he nice. dated, donated $250. Oh, nice. Hey, man, good on you. Good on you. That's pretty strong, right? Yeah, a little bit. Actually, he didn't. He, he didn't. He donated like 10 bucks. <laughs> No, he donated two hundred and fifty bucks. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Daniel Coker, president of the uh, Fisher House, sent him a nice note. Man. Oh, nice, yeah. man! So now we're up to what do we want to say as far as uh, say twelve million dollars sponsoring Look, we the don't podcast? Know. Let's oh, oh, say oh. if you want to be a sponsor, you give us twenty one dollars and sixty seven cents. Twenty one dollars and sixty seven cents. You can be an official sponsor. Uh, one more email podcast, guys. I'm stuck at home. Old Bacholas yesterday while working on projects around the house. I started listening to The Greatest Story Never Told. I started on episode one and managed to get through episode 19. Jesus. And considering we're 24, that's great. He says, I love it. Uh, so cool to hear Drep talking about you guys. Hmm. Uh, that woman nearly <laughs> brought me uh, tears to my eyes. Oh, she and dude. Maurice are awesome, who were staying at the Fisher House. That from the boat builder, Jim Marshall. Hey, by the way, she owes us sugar all. cookies. Let's not yeah. forget the deal we made with her. Right. Yeah, she's great. She's kind. She's wonderful. All that stuff. I want my sugar cookies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll we'll leave you with this uh, little story, uh, and this goes back to the CBS Baltimore days, uh, where we were doing interviews with a lot of comedians that were coming through. That was typically our thing because the improv was there. They wanted to get the thing on. We're a midday show, doing a Thursday night, Friday night show. So in walks David Allen Greer. Now David Allen Greer, he is from a family of comedy. Hollywood deep, uh, much like the Wayans, but Greer, you know, like he had a sister who was an actress. His family is very well involved. It's been what? In Living Color, he's on a show now, like the Carmichael Effect, Carmichael Neighborhood. You, If you saw him, you know him. I want to say when they, uh, one of the more brilliant things I've seen on network TV, they recreated, oh, was it Good Times okay. and All in the Family? I believe he showed up in one of the roles right. on that. I mean, this guy's been around for a while. And he, he kind of goes around with a troupe of comedians, and they do a show. So he had a female with him. He had a younger comedian that they were pimping. Basically, David Allen Greer needs a little prop up. You know what sure. I mean? So like when he, when he came in studio, he had uh, the guy who was a younger comedian. He had the girl with him who was also a comedian, mm-hmm. that type of thing. But it was a really weird thing because you could tell right away that David Allen Greer didn't want to be there. He, he had did- his arms full. Like, sit in a chair, cross your legs, fold your arms. But when you fold your arms, don't fold them the way you normally do. Make sure your palms are on your biceps, if you know what I mean. It's the real defiant kind of thing. So we, But he also wouldn't make eye contact with us. And we realized during the first part of this interview 
no matter what we asked, he would never look at us. He would just be like, uh huh, or mm-hmm. uh uh-uh, uh. Or, and look, and, it is and, what it is. And, and we just, don't know. And, and just so you know, in the world of doing anything, whether you're watching a late night show, whether you are uh, listening to an interview on the radio or whatever, when, when it comes time to take a commercial break, typically those are uh, they're, they're 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 blocked. Uh, in a way where the segment is done or the segment continues. Right. If you get someone on the couch uh, on late night and they're the one guest, hey, we'll be right back. You're coming back to them. Tom Cruise. Right. We'll be right back. with You know the names. Oprah Winfrey. We're, we're going to continue. Those people, right. Get, you get more, if not, it's like it's four guests a night, three guests a night, whatever the deal is. Well, at that point in time, we do the same thing. Like, look, we'll put someone on the air, and if they're really, really good – we keep them on the air. Always. That's but still if, our mantra now. Right? But if not, and we realize we've done all we can do in this interview, when we go to break, the interview is over. At this point in time, the interview was still early on. We weren't sure what we were going to do yet. He's in studio. It hasn't been that long, but he's not saying anything. We go to break. We're like, oh, God, what do we do? And then I think, Steve, you had a memory I will spare a lot of details. As it turns out, a couple of years before we did this interview, I worked at a sports station, and the sports station was working with sports books. All right, so this you know, internet's getting there, and online betting where it was legal, it was legal, and obviously it's huge business. So one of the things the uh, salespeople came up to me, sales manager, and said, "Hey, would you? Because I'm working on the sports station. Would you be interested in flying to Costa Rica? Already, yes." And where you're going, they're going to do this, uh, an opening of a casino. But this particular casino will also do sports betting. It's a big deal. Tied into the station. I'm like, hell yeah. So what this casino had done is they had reached out to sports stations across the country. Hey, fly someone down. We'll treat them all well. Because the idea is when we get back, we go, hey, man, you want to go to bet on sports, I believe it was called. And also they have a casino, blah, 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 blah. Well, they invited a bunch of people. Now, uh, one of the things... Man, you know what? To be honest with you, my experience there the night before this David Allen Greer story is a whole nother podcast, believe me. Uh, but the night of the hard opening of the casino, it's kind of cool. Like that 70s show was hitting really big. So I remember I'm walking through the casino, and there's a bunch of celebrities and athletes, but uh, Ashton Kutcher's there, Vilder Valderrama. Carmen Electra. The curly-haired dude. Well, Carmen Electra is performing with the Pussycat Doll. So... It's cool, but David Allen Greer is there. And, you know, everyone recognizes him. But everyone leaves each other alone. You do your own thing. Just know that. So I'm not going to throw the guy under the bus. But a couple of years pass. He doesn't know me from Adam, right? Uh, but a couple of years have passed from here. And here he is, not wanting to do an interview, but sitting in our studio ruining our show. So we go to break. Miles says something, you know, kind of upbeat. And David Allen Greer is still like, mm-hmm. So I said, hey, man, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I met you a couple of years ago in Costa Rica. Well, now I have his attention. And all I did was, and sure, maybe people call it coercion, arm twisting. I don't know. I never threatened a guy. I just said, you know, it's crazy. I remember seeing you there. And then there's that back room with the with the chains that are like a, a curtain. And you're back there with that chick at the pool table. <laughs> to be fair, I will not explain what I saw. All right. But I promise you that what I saw is not something he would necessarily want to get out there. And so he's looking at me. And, and listen, the only possible way I can know this is if I was there. So he knew, like, oh, no, like, this cat was there. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I remember, because she was bent over the pool table, and you were. And look, it doesn't matter what you fill in your brain. Wait, hold on, wait, 30 wait. seconds, we're coming back. It's not what you think it is. So I just said to him, so, hey, man, we're about to come back. When we come back, either, like, we can do the interview, or I'll just talk about the one time I met you. 
Man, we come back. Miles will be like, so tell us about your new uh, tour. Let me tell you Different what it's the most... Different human fa- being. Oh, yeah. Now Different all of a person. sudden... Family, friendly, <laughs> He happy, was one of our nice, best interviews. One of the great. best interviews ever. All because... Yeah. All you had to do was threaten him with whipping some chick on a pool table. And with he goes, a chain. Well, just, you know, a hooker that you hired to beat him with gonna, a chain. You're going to beat so, a hooker in <laughs> Costa Rica with a chain on a pool table. And now, now, now you'll open up. And guess what? One of the few people that witnessed that, you're talking to him, and you know I had to be there because no one else. By the way, David's got two shows tonight on Thursday night at the Improv, 7.30 and 10.30, two shows Friday night, two shows Saturday night. So really, hey, David, man, thank you for coming in. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Basically, the message was, you know I can throw you under the bus. His message in return was, please don't do that. I'm going to be the funniest, friendliest. Here's some material for my routine. It was all there. And all I said was, I remember seeing you in Costa Rica. In the pool room. I didn't say anything else. It just, it's amazing to me that little things like that make all the difference in Some, the uh, Yeah, you never know. There you go. On The Greatest Story Never Told, episode number 24. You've been listening to The Greatest Story Never Told with Miles and Thrill on Radio.com. Oh, man. A Double Flush production.